It's Sunday morning. Time for the great outdoors with Charlie Potter. Brought to you by the all-new Chevy Silverado and ChevyDriveChicago.com on Chicago's very own 720 WGN. Good morning. Welcome to the Great Outdoors Show. Charlie Potter, your host here on WGN Radio. Thank you for listening on this Memorial Day weekend and happy Memorial Day to everyone tomorrow. But it is Memorial Day. Memorial Day, we remember those who have served our country, well, really, I think since the beginning of our country, but particularly we think of it after World War II and the Korean War and Vietnam War. And and this morning, I'd like to talk about somebody who passed away last week, Buddy Malkus, who was, yes, he was a decorated veteran coming out of the Korean War, and I'll tell you a story about that in a little bit. It's a story he actually told on the radio a number of years ago that's quite humorous. Buddy Melgus was simply the greatest sailor ever, and I mean ever. And it's possible that uh, even Christopher Columbus would have finished second to Buddy Melgus. Buddy won everything there is to win in sailing, and he uh, was also a tremendous outdoorsman who loved to duck hunt. My relationship and friendship with Buddy Melgus began back in 1981, 42 years ago. I met Buddy when I was preparing to follow the waterfowl migration from basically the end of the road in Manitoba on the north to the end of the road in the United States and Louisiana on the south at Venice, Louisiana. And a friend of mine, Ed Carey, said, you got to go meet this guy, Buddy Melgus. He makes sailboats, but he also makes skiffs for duck hunting to get around marshes and lay flat. And he said they're the best that, that, they're made, that there are. So I went up to, drove up to Zenda, Wisconsin, where I became from there on a lifelong friend of what is affectionately known as the Wizard of Zenda. So Buddy was known throughout the world for his sailing. When you think of a sailor, think about this. His family business began in the 1940s with his father making wooden rowboats. Today, the Melgus sailboats are the number one racing sailboat in the entire world, the Melgus fleet. Uh, Anywhere you go where sailing is big, there's the Melgus fleet. So Buddy Melgus won, and you got to bear with me for a second because this takes a while. Buddy Melgus won the Olympic bronze medal in 1964. He won the Olympic gold medal in 1972. He won the Pan American gold medal in 1967. He was the Starboat champion in 78 and 79. He was the three-time and only three-time meter world champion in 67, 73, 83. He was the ESCOW national champion, 65, 69, 1978, 79, 83. He was amazingly the North American's men's sailings champion three times, 1959, 1960, and 1961. If that wasn't enough about this individual who was the ambassador for sailing around the world. He was on the Great Outdoors show many times. If that wasn't enough, ice boating was his greatest love. He's the seven-time world champion ice boater. 1955, 57, 70, 72, 74, 80, and you have to take a breath, 81. And then he decided, let's go on to the world stage And let's go after the America's Cup. In 1987, he led a group called the Heart of America Challenge 
where they tried to bring the America's Cup to Chicago. He had been asked to sail for the New York Yacht Club. Buddy Melgus, being a person of great Midwestern values, from Zenda, Wisconsin, where he would say, Zenda's not the end of the world, but you can see it from here. He wasn't going to go and be a skipper of the America's Cup sponsored by the New York Yacht Club. That wasn't his style. He went out and he raised money for the Heart of America Challenge and with a badly underfunded boat, a boat that had nowhere near the speed or or abilities of Dennis Connors' boat, Buddy Melgus almost won the right to defend the America's Cup for America with the Heart of America Challenge. Connors won that race in 1987. 1992 is a different story. He partnered with Bill Koch, and the rest is history, as they say. He went on to win the America's Cup in 1992 to complete his, at that point, really 50-year reign as singularly the greatest sailor the world has ever known. And then he became the greatest ambassador for sailing that there could possibly be. All the while he was sailing around the world, he was building his boat-building company, which today is very capably run and, and, and tremendously successful by his son, Harry Melgus, and his grandson, Harry Four, as he called him. Harry Four could well be another Olympic sailor in the Melgus family. So the Melgus name is synonymous with sailing in the outdoors. And this is the Great Outdoors Show. So this morning, I talk about a great friend, an individual who transformed the world of sailing, became a phenomenal ambassador for sailing, built a great company, but his real love was duck hunting. And as several obituaries written about Buddy Malgus when he died last week at the age of 93, said he was known for a lot of things, but it was duck hunting he really wanted to do. And Buddy Malgus and I had the pleasure of digging pits to hide for to hide from snow geese in the dark on the west shore of Lake Manitoba in the 1980s. We would go out at four o'clock in the morning in the freezing cold with a shovel. Yes, a shovel. And we would dig holes that we could then crawl into. And that was a lot of fun. And then you would sit there and Buddy was simply the best hunter there ever was that I've ever hunted with. There have been better hunters maybe, but I have never hunted with a better duck hunter than Buddy Melgus. And I remember the time we were down at my farm in southern Illinois, and it was about to get light, and I'm hastily throwing the decoys out, and they're splashing, and it's cold out, and it's about to be a clear dawn, and Buddy screams at me, what are you doing? And I said, I'm throwing out the decoys. He said, you don't throw decoys, you place decoys. He said, if you throw the decoys, the water splashes on them, and they shine, and when the sun comes up, what kind of a duck do you think is going to come to a shining decoy? And I said, well, we got to get going. And Buddy said, don't be in a hurry. This is not a race. Be patient. I'm paraphrasing. Be patient and do it right. And I've thought about that ever since that morning, this phrase of do it right. And everything Buddy Melgus did in his life, he not only did right, but he excelled. And I have a funny story as before I wind down the first segment of the show this morning about Buddy Melgus, who I hope for those of you who heard him on the Great Outdoors show, you knew his great sense of humor. For those of you who knew him in real life, he was a storyteller of unequaled ability. And for those of you who never met Buddy Melgus, I can tell you he made our world a better place. And he took sailing to a level that it had never been. And his skills will be greatly missed, but his legacy lives on, not only in a wonderful boat-building company, but in, in the way he became an ambassador for sailing and took sailing really to the mainstream around the world. But he would often talk about the Korean War. He was a decorated Korean War hero, and he would say in Buddy's self-defacing way, he'd say, I'm not quite sure why 
Um, he said, I didn't do anything heroically in combat. I served my company honorably, and this on Memorial Day tomorrow. This is a story that I think you'll find amusing. He said, I think I received the medals and honors that I received because I learned that an army that is well-fed does well. And that goes back, of course, to Napoleon saying about an army, an army feeds on its stomach. An army, excuse me, marches on its stomach. So Buddy Malgus was stationed in Korea. Korea had a lot of pheasants. And Buddy, while there, went and spoke to one of his officers and said, what would you think if I went out and shot a few pheasants for the officers? That would get Buddy out of doing some things he didn't want to do. And, of course, shotgun shells at that time were, were pretty scarce. Shotguns, there weren't a lot of them in, sitting there in Korea. The officer said, well, that would be a good idea. We'd like to eat something other than the food we're being served. So from there on out, Buddy's term in Korea, he was given shotgun shells and a shotgun and not much else in form of military duty. And Buddy said, I believe I received the honors I received for feeding all the officers in Korea quite well during my stay in Korea. Buddy, having been from Wisconsin, having grown up in rural Wisconsin, was quite a marksman. He knew how to hunt, and he became basically, every week he would bring the officers at where he was stationed in Korea, he would bring them a pile of pheasants, and they would have a feast. And by the way, Buddy ate well, too. And he would joke, that kept me out of cleaning a lot of toilets and doing other things I really didn't want to do. Buddy Melgus was just, he was, a, he was an individual that... I feel honored to have known those of you in the sailing world who raced against them. Well, you know that racing against Buddy Melvis was, was really not something you wanted to do. And a famous sailor once said about Buddy about sailing, you want to have the fastest boat. You want to read the wind better than anybody else. And you never, ever want to sail against Buddy Melvis. Buddy, you'll be missed for all of you veterans in America. We honor you tomorrow. Take a moment to think about our veterans, those you did know. They've served our country so well in so many different ways. In this case, Buddy Melvis went on to be a true American hero in the field of sailing. And yes, for those of us who duck hunted with him all over the country, he was a friend we will dearly miss. I'll be back in just a moment with more on the Great Outdoors Show. When I do, I'm going to talk about unique ways that we're using the American Inflation Reduction Act, ways that, well... I guess we couldn't have imagined, but maybe those who wrote it did. I'll be back in just a moment. This is Charlie Potter on the Outdoor Voice of Chicago and America, 720 WGN. And first, a message from our longtime sponsors, the Northwest Indiana and Chicagoland Chevrolet dealers. When sunrise is your alarm clock, life is different. You eat a ditch for breakfast. Love the smell of diesel in the morning with a hot cup of joe. The weather report is 40% chance of mud. And corporate pull, that's 36,000 pounds of towing capacity with a gooseneck trailer. Mudden is PTO. You know sometimes when the paved road ends, the fun begins. Chevy Silverado 3500 HD is waiting to run over something, anything. No road, no problem, because the best way out is always through. A trouble rides a swift horse, and you don't want trouble pulling a backhoe loader. Chevy Silverado HD is a wake-up call. Now, during Chevy truck season, get a $1,000 accessory allowance toward the purchase of a new truck with accessories. You worked hard for your money. Spend it smart. So see your Chicagoland and Northwest Indiana Chevy dealer today or go to ChevyDriveChicago.com for all the details. Chevy Silverado HD. Power up and experience life in HD. 
Charlie Potter and the Great Outdoors on Chicago's very own 720 WGN. This is Charlie Potter. Welcome to the Great Outdoors show. Hope you're enjoying it. I'll move on from honoring the life of one of the greatest outdoorsmen and, 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 and arguably one of the greatest sportsmen in the history of America, Buddy Melgus, to talking about quickly something that's rather amazing. Several months ago, I talked about the possibility that the states of Colorado, Nevada, and Arizona would have their water right laws upended by the U.S. government because they could not agree on how to cut their water usage so that there would be enough water coming down the Colorado River. And we all know that the West is indeed a dry place. And until this year, it's been a very dry place with reservoirs going dry. And there being serious concern that maybe Lake Mead and Lake Powell would no longer be able to generate hydroelectric power, much less provide water for the millions of acres of farmland that are farmed under Colorado River water, much less the millions of people, tens of millions of people who depend on it. And at the 12th hour, before the Department of Interior was basically about to allocate the water and and give draconian cuts to California's water, which would have a big impact on America's food supply as, as tens of thousands of acres of some of the most productive farmland on earth would have to go fallow. Lo and behold, the three states cut a deal. Headline, three southwestern states announced Monday they have struck an historic deal to cut billions of gallons of Colorado River water usage over the next four years. Guess who's going to pay for it? We are. How about that, folks? Who would have thought that if you lived here in Illinois, or if you're sitting on a farm in Wisconsin or Iowa or wherever in America you might be listening to this radio show this morning, that you, in fact, are going to be part of paying for the reduction of water usage in California, Nevada, and Arizona. I sure didn't, and I live in the conservation world, and I didn't see this coming, but then again, I haven't read the Inflation Reduction Act, that much-talked-about act that seems to have an endless amount of money to go to endless causes, and maybe that's why it was so controversial and so contentious when it was passed, but I can't even imagine that the architects of this thought that the Inflation Reduction Act would be used to pay farmers not to farm in California or urban dwellers not to water their gardens in Arizona or people not to run their fountains in Nevada. But that's what we're going to do. I'm quoting here, most of the cuts in water usage will be compensated with at least a billion dollars in federal funds from the Inflation Reduction Act. This is about a million and a half acre feet of water. An acre foot of water would be one acre of flat land covered by one foot of water. So we're going to pay over a billion dollars for people who live in places where there is very little water to use less water. I guess I'm kind of amazed. I wonder what kind of handouts we should have here in Illinois for something that maybe we should be doing, since it seems the Inflation Reduction Act is really, I don't know how that reduces inflation by paying people not to farm or not to, not to use their fountains or water their gardens. But anyway, that's what we're going to do. The Colorado River system has been crashing. That's not my words. That's the words of, of just about everyone in the system. More than 40 million people in the West are dependent on the Colorado. But the Colorado River has been going dry. It doesn't even reach the Sea of Cortez anymore. Mexico being at the bottom of the, of the river uh, is basically completely out of luck. And there's that great saying, it's better to be at the head of the head of a river with a, with a shovel than at the bottom of the river with a decree. 
the Colorado River is has been simply dried up by by its uses for for human use. And if we didn't have a wet year like this year, as I mentioned a moment ago, we would have seen even further degradation of of water in the West and the reservoirs to the point where maybe they were not even usable. So what would happen to 40 million people if the Colorado River becomes unusable? Well, I guess we're going to crank up desalinization plants or we're going to come up with something else. This only solves part of the problem because there still has to be, and this is the best part for me saying tongue-in-cheek, apparently the Inflation Reduction Act doesn't cover all of the needs. There still has to be more water cut from the system, and they left it up to the three states to figure out how to do that and how to pay for that. So the Inflation Reduction Act is part of the solution because we're going to pay for it, but there is some sanity in the world where the agreement says, yes, California, Nevada, and Arizona have to come up with further measures that won't be covered. 700,000 acre-feet additional water is needed to not be used to be kept in the Colorado River, And that, quote-unquote, won't be compensated with by the Inflation Reduction Act funding. I have a question, and I don't know that anyone has an answer to this, but let's ask it anyway. The question is, how long does the Inflation Reduction Act last? So we're going to pay a billion dollars for people not to use water in places where they probably shouldn't live to begin with or try to farm. Well, what happens once we've used that? It's an annual payment to a farmer Instead of taking the water, you're going to leave it in the Colorado River, and we're going to pay you X amount of money. Or instead of running that water fountain in Las Vegas, we're going to pay you X amount of money. But that's one time. What happens after the billion dollars has been spent? Who's going to pay them in the future years? I don't think anyone. So therefore, what are they going to do? They're going to go back to farming. So this is a bizarre short-term fix to a huge long-term problem. The long-term answer is we better hope it rains and snows and water in the West is as plentiful as it possibly can be. That would be the solution for Mother Nature. I wouldn't bank on that. I think we need to find other solutions, but I don't think the great American Inflation Reduction Act, a misnomer to begin with, is the answer for California, Arizona, and uh, Nevada, because I don't think the American taxpayers are going to stand for this. Either that or we all should have our hands out. Maybe we already do. Thanks so much for listening. This is Charlie Potter on the Outdoor Voice of Chicago and America, 720 WGN Radio, and happy Memorial Day weekend to all of you.